This program is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Bad Priest. Episode 4, Murzoth. By some miracle, I managed to pick myself up and stagger out of the room. I hear Diego behind me, calling my name, but I ignore him. And then, as my faithful partner tries to calm the now collapsed girl's parents, I stumble onto the street. You can't run from me, father. I drop to my knees behind Diego's shitty yellow car and taste equally yellow bile rise in my throat. The vomit just misses further staining my black cloak. I heave, puke again, and then collapse against the car. Did you really put piss in the vial? You are a bad priest, Father Bannon. This... This isn't real. I spent eight years in prison, and given the nature of my crime and the fact that I wore a clergy collar, you'd think that I was forced to deal with plenty of abuse. You'd be wrong. As you might have guessed, I'm not your ordinary run-of-the-mill priest. I managed to stay relatively clean by keeping my head down and surrounding myself by good people. Well, strong people, anyway. But now, less than a day out of prison, and my mind finally snaps. A schizoid break. That's what this is. My mind splitting in two to protect itself from... From what? I don't know. But this is the only explanation for what happened back in that sweaty-ass bedroom and... You are losing your mind. But I am. I've completely lost my mind. The old saying goes that you're not crazy if you talk to yourself, but you're hella fucked up if you start to answer your own questions. And that's exactly what I'm tempted to do. Answer this demonic version of myself. Shoot the shit. Talk about the good old days. Lollipops and sunshine and stations of the cross. Why are you so surprised, Father Bannon? Leave me alone. Get the fuck out of my head. I place my hands over my ears and close my eyes tightly like a child trying to avoid watching the scariest part of a film. It does nothing, of course, other than exacerbate my headache. Would that I could, trust me. You think I want to be in here? You call me inside. You force me into your head, Father Bannon. I didn't. I didn't call you in here. I don't even know what the fuck is happening. Yeah, you did. All that, and they shall recover bullshit. Fucking lame. Better than I repent, I suppose, but still fucking lame. I clench my jaw, forcing more vomit back down. But that's, that's not real. This is, I hear footsteps approaching, and I open my eyes. Diego is standing in front of me, a queer expression on his face. What's not real? Nothing. For several seconds, neither of us say anything. Even the voice in my head remains quiet. We just stand and stare at each other. 
Then, without prompting, Diego reaches down and helps my sorry ass to my feet and then deposits me into the passenger seat. After he places all of my accoutrement back in the trunk, he joins me inside the vehicle. Thanks. Diego's beaming as he produces a wad of cash. I look at the money, but I'm reluctant to take it. Half is yours. I cluck my tongue. Speaking is difficult. I'm so thirsty. But unlike back in the bedroom, it's not water I crave. It's an entire bottle of Johnny Red. This is half. And that's why Diego is smiling. Judging by the size of the stack, I guess that the poor girl's parents somehow managed to scrounge up about $4,000. I glance at the dilapidated one-story building through the dirt-smeared windshield. $4,000 was a lot of money. $4,000 was probably six months' rent for these people. Like I said, I'm not proud of what I do. But apparently, what once used to be a harmless farce now comes with collateral damage. Significant collateral damage. Like my sanity, for one. I take the money and slip it into my pocket. Diego, did you notice anything different in there? Diego's smile doesn't falter. I mean, you're a bit out of practice, but that's to be expected, father. Father? After all this time, can't you just call me Cole? I shake my head and Diego starts to drive. Not that, I mean... Did you notice anything different about the girl? Diego chews the inside of his lip as he ponders this. I think, well, she seemed to recover very quickly after we were done. I frown. Normally it takes a few days after we depart for my quote-unquote work to have an effect, i.e. for the withdrawal symptoms to pass. But even as I lay on the broken dresser in a puddle of my own piss, I recognized that the girl seemed calm and relaxed. Sure, she'd collapsed with exhaustion, but she seemed almost serene. That's because I left her and came inside of you, Father Bannon. Not the first time I came inside another man, but this one seems to have lasting consequences. What aren't you understanding about this? All of it. I don't understand any of this at all. What are you talking about, Father? I slump into my seat. Nothing. I'm sorry, Diego. I'm just tired. My apartment? Diego smiles again. Yep. I don't know why you wanted me to keep it for you while you were inside. Because it really isn't that nice. But I did. Just like you asked, Father Bannon. Diego, I could kiss you right now. Kissing leads to... Shut the fuck up. What? No, no, not you, Diego. Diego's looking at me as if I've gone insane, which is okay by me, because I probably have. After a few moments of driving, he turns to me. You want me to take you there? To your apartment? I reach into my pocket to handle the stack of bills. Then I nod at my partner. Yeah, but there's some place I want to stop first. I lick my parched lips. I'm going to satiate my thirst, but unlike back at Denise's, there's no way in hell I'm going to stop at just one drink. He calls himself Murzoth. 
he. I'm not really sure why I consider it a he. I mean, the voice is ambiguous at best. Maybe it's my subtle chauvinism coming through. But what really annoys me is that I should know. I should know if Mirzoth is a male or female because this Mirzoth is a construct of my own brain. It has to be. What? You're surprised that I'm not a true believer in possession or exorcisms or any of that other garbage? Pissing into a vial and acting like it was holy water wasn't enough of a tell? Do you truly think that every person of the cross is a believer? Really? I'll let you in on a little secret. In the clergy, those who appear most devout are usually the ones who believe the least. Myself notwithstanding, of course. They don't use their faith to justify their sins. They use it as a cover for some of the most heinous crimes known to man. Yeah, I'm talking about those sins. You know the ones. The ones that the girl on the bed accused me of before the damn demon that was inside her head jumped ship and decided that my brain was just a little bit more cozy than hers. But that really didn't happen. Because that's impossible. I've lost my mind. I reach for my glass of Johnny Walker, but my movements are uncoordinated and I knock it onto the ground. I make no move to clean up the mess. Instead, I focus on the two remaining items that I'd placed on the table. First, there's the baggie of coke. I've already done two lines of the powerful shit, which probably isn't helping my decision making. But hey, if I'm going out, there's no chance I'm going out sober. Speaking of going out... The second item is the gun. It had been my father's long ago. It's a shitty revolver, the old Wild West kind with six cylinders. I have no idea where he got it from. Hell, I don't even know if it still works. But one thing I am certain of is that it's loaded, because I put that bullet in there myself. I slip my lighter from my pocket and stare at the writing on the side as I flick it on and off. Was this gun my grandfather's too? Do they use these old-timey guns in Nam? You don't have the balls. That's where good old Murzoth is wrong. I do have the balls. Or at least I have courage imbued by a fifth of scotch and a gram of coke. And that's far more tangible than swollen testes. I pinch my nose as my eyes water. The way I look at it is this. There are only two explanations for what's happening to me right now. One, I'm dreaming. This seems highly unlikely, but I heard about people on the inside who practice something called lucid dreaming. These inmates claim that they can picture themselves on the other side of the concrete walls. That they can actually exist there, move around freely. If I accidentally stumbled upon a cheat code for lucid dreaming while performing a botched exorcism, then what I'm planning to do next is of no consequence. Contrary to popular belief, if you die in your dream, you don't die in real life. The second option is that I've truly gone crazy and I'm hearing voices inside my head. My dad was a schizophrenic. When he took his medicine, he was mostly normal. But over time, he built up a tolerance and then one day, the meds just stopped working. His descent into madness was abrupt and terrifying. And it ain't for me, no way, no how. You won't do it. I'm not sure what Mirzoth's endgame is here. Is he trying to get me to kill myself? I mean, 
He claims to be a demon. What do demons want if not death and destruction? Suicide, a cardinal sin. I'm tempted to ask Murzoth what happens if I die with him trapped inside my head, but I'm not sure I want to know the answer. Besides, as we've already discussed, answering my own questions is a clear sign that I'm descending into madness. I pick up the gun, feeling the weight of it in my hand. You're, You're not, not going, going to, to do it. it. Is that trepidation I hear in his voice? This thought almost makes me laugh. I'm considering Murzoth the completely separate entity, an actual demon trapped inside my head. No euphemisms here, no understatements, substitutes, or downplaying. A real fucking demon, scary voice and all. I cock the hammer. Don't! A smile crosses my face as I bring the gun to my mouth. Everything is happening in a dreamlike state. Everything filtered by the drugs and alcohol dilating my blood vessels and pupils. Don't do it, Father Bannon. Don't you fucking do it. But as you should know by now, I'm not much for hesitation. I froze twice at Denise's, but here, in the comfort of my own shitty apartment, I'm not gonna freeze again. Oh yes, I'm gonna do it. Goodbye, Murzoth. See you on the other side, pussy. And then I put the gun in my mouth and pulled the trigger. This has been Bad Priest, Episode 4, a PTL Books and Pathological Inc. production. Written, produced, mixed, and narrated by Patrick Logan. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. You can also visit us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash badpriestpodcast. Podcast. <laughs>